Well, last week, we looked at candy canes and the role of Joseph in the Advent story. Joseph was a bit upset to find that his virgin fiancée was pregnant, but God tells him in a dream that this is all part of God's plan set in motion years ago. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And today we're going to take a look at the prophet who said that, prophet Isaiah, and some of his other prophecies surrounding Christmas. And the candy that we're going to connect to it, because that's what we've been doing all of this Advent season, the candy we're going to connect to it are these gold foil-covered chocolates. Um, these are the only candies that I could not find in bulk at Fleet Farm. <laughs> we had to special order these, although you can find these uh, at some of the drugstores and things in, in little bags. In fact, as a kid, I used to get one of those little bags of coins in my stocking every year. And the coins looked like real money. The, some of them even came in actual sizes of the money, uh, our silver coins that we have, but some of them were, were also gold-colored. But inside, underneath the coin, the silver or the gold was chocolate. And I continued that tradition of giving these chocolate coins to my own kids. And uh, they were not always easy to find. I mean, the chocolates, not the kids, but they... <laughs> The, if I looked hard enough, I could find these little bags and I would give them. And even as I was doing it, I wondered why these coins appear around the Advent time every year. Uh, I didn't notice them on the shelves at other times of the year, but there they were, and, and they were always this Christmas gift. And I wondered why. And later I learned that these chocolate coins were first popularized in the U.S. not as Christmas coins, but as Hanukkah gelt, or Hanukkah money. An old Hanukkah tradition is to give the kids money on the days of Hanukkah. Often that money would be used to play a game called the dreidel. It's a little top. And Later, about 100 years ago, the candy makers in the U.S. started making chocolate versions of the actual money. I, I suppose the people didn't want the kids actually gambling because it's kind of a gambling game. Because <laughs> what you do is you, you spin the top, and depending on what side of the top, it's a four-sided top, what side lands up, then you do something. You either have to put money into the pot, take money out of the pot, or do nothing. And, uh, of course, uh, it's a little easier when the money is chocolate. So there's these four symbols, as you can see, four letters um, on each side of the dreidel. And they stand for a great miracle happened there. So what is that great miracle, and where is the there? Well, that's the story of Hanukkah, which, by the way, we're in right now. Tonight is the fourth evening of Hanukkah. 
which every fan of Adam Sandler knows lasts for eight crazy nights. Eight because of the miracle of Hanukkah, the miracle that happened there. Hanukkah is called the festival of light because it involves light. And what happened was at Hanukkah, oil that should have lasted only for one day in lighting the lamps of the Jewish temple miraculously lasted eight days until a new supply of holy oil could be secured. And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a minute. But for the eight days of Hanukkah, the Jews light the candles on the menorah to remind them of that miracle of the oil for the candle lighting. And they spin the dreidel and the kids play for their Hanukkah gelp or their chocolate coins. So we have these chocolate Christmas coins because we're borrowing from our our Jewish heritage. Actually, all of Christmas comes from our Jewish heritage because Jesus was a Jewish baby born in a Jewish town with a Jewish mother having a Jewish name and fulfilling the Jewish prophecies of the Messiah, which very word is Jewish. It's Hebrew. Messiah, the anointed one. Now, fortunately for us, we non-Jews have been adopted into the story, grafted in, as Paul says, into the Jewish tree. Remember a few years ago when I talked about grafting apple trees? How you can take a a little piece of, of a branch of one apple and you can graft it on to another apple tree's roots or or even onto a, a tree that's already growing. And the branch will grow and thrive connected to those roots, but it'll always stay the branch that it was. So I have an apple tree that, that has five different branches on it that all bear different kinds of apples. But it's all supported by the one root. They've all been grafted onto the one root, and they are one tree. Well, Paul doesn't talk about apples. He talks about olive trees. And he says that we non-Jews are like little wild olive branches grafted onto the Jewish tree and supported by those Jewish roots. Here's what he says in Romans 11. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, Do not consider yourselves to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Our Jewish roots support us as Christians. We were added into the Jewish story, the story of the coming Messiah. You know what we call the Old Testament, which is two-thirds of the Bible? That's the Jewish Bible. And hear what God shared with the Jews in that Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah. We've heard about how the virgin will give birth, but I want to share some other things. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. 
Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They, the joy before thee, according to the joy at the harvest. There's some. I'm reading my own version. Okay. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot, youth in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you recognize those words from the Hallelujah Chorus? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Boy, those, that music just screams Christmas. And they were written by a Christian, George Frederick Handel, for use in the church. But the words are from a Jew, the prophet Isaiah, here in the ninth chapter. And they were spoken to Jewish people hundreds of years before Christ were born, was born. The good news is, though, that we are grafted onto these Jewish roots. We have been adopted into the story so that these words speak to us as well. We've been adopted into all the promises to Israel, even the promise of the coming Messiah. Like the words of comfort uh, that's found in Isaiah 40. Where it says, comfort, comfort my people. Say to your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. All people will see it together, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Israel, but the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. We take part in this Jewish story. Our stories are bound together. So it's always been a little strange for me why there's so much anti-Semitism in the world. Someone uh, asked me a couple weeks ago at, when there's all this news about anti-Semitism on the college campuses, and uh, they said to me, I don't get it. Why do people hate the Jews? It can't just because be because of what's happening in Gaza because... The Jewish students on campus have nothing to do with that. And people were hating the Jews long before this year. I just don't get it, they said. Well, to be honest, I can't really explain it. It doesn't make sense, but it goes way back. In fact, Hanukkah itself is, has its roots in Jewish persecution. 
Remember that little candle oil that, that lasted for eight days? Well, the reason there was so little oil was that the Syrian ruler Antiochus Epiphany suddenly attacked Jerusalem in 168 B.C. They massacred 40,000 Jews and took 40,000 more women and children into slavery. And they desecrated the temple. Antiochus set up an idol to Zeus in the middle of God's temple to replace the worship of God. And he slaughtered pigs in the temple, which he knew were unclean to the Jews, just to spite them. And then he outlawed any practice of Judaism altogether. To have a copy of the Bible was a death sentence. If a mother had an infant circumcised, just in many ways like we do baptism, both the child and the mother would be executed. Unlike most victorious rulers at the time, he went out of his way to completely annihilate their religion. And this caused the people to rise up. And there were four brothers from a priestly family, and they led a revolt to reclaim the temple for the worship of God. And three and a half years later, under the leadership of Judah Maccabee, Maccabee means the hammer, the Jews freed Jerusalem, drove Antiochus and his troops out, and they set about cleaning the temple so it could once again be rededicated to the worship of the Lord. And in the process, they found that little jug of oil to relight the lights of the temple. The little jug that miraculously lasted eight days until they could get new sacred oil. And since then, Jews have lit the menorah to celebrate this miracle, the miracle that they call Hanukkah, which means dedication, because it was about rededicating the temple to the worship of God. Sometimes they, they call the festival the festival of lights. Antiochus had tried to wipe out the Jews and snuff out the light of their religion, but God kept the lamps burning, and they continued to burn in the temple until God sent another light, Jesus, the light of the world. Remember the Gospel of John's description of the ministry of John the Baptist, the Advent guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago? Here's what John says in chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It says, Jesus, the light, came to that which was his own. In other words, came to his fellow Jews to fulfill the prophecy, to be the Jewish Messiah. Yet to all who receive him, 
That includes us. Even non-Jews, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You and me, by faith in Christ, become children of God. Children not born of natural descent. In other words, we aren't children because we happen, children of God because we happen to be born into a Jewish family. It's not by heredity that we are children of God. We are adopted in, we are grafted in by God himself through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So why people hate the Jews, I can't explain it. I, for one, am glad that God has made us a part of their story. I'm so glad for the prophecies of Isaiah and all the Old Testament and knowing that it applies to me too. I'm so glad that the Jewish Messiah comes to me as well as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And in keeping with that theme of peace, my challenge to you this week is to spread peace, not hatred. How can we be instruments of peace in God's God's message in a world where there is so much senseless hate? How can we shine light in the darkness, love into the brokenness, hope unto the hopeless? How can we be a little more like Jesus? John says of him, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Well, as uh, we have each Sunday, there are baskets with these coins in them. And you can take a chocolate Christmas coin with you today. Uh, they're just out in the library, lobby on the counter. And as, as you take one, think about the blessings that you have been being, being grafted into the story of the Messiah, of being included with God's children through faith. And then think about how you can sow peace this Advent season. Oh, and here's one more bit of Hanukkah trivia before we close. The story of Hanukkah is not found in the Jewish Bible, but it's found in the Christian Bible. In John 10, 22, we read that Jesus visited the temple during Hanukkah, during the Feast of Dedication, and he tells his fellow Jews plainly that he is the Messiah. It doesn't show up in the Jewish Bible because, well, this wasn't that long uh, the events of Hanukkah weren't that long before Jesus. They're about the, the difference that we have between now and the Civil War. And we read about the, the events of the Civil War. We remember the Gettysburg Address. Uh, we even have a Juneteenth holiday now, but we don't include them in the Bible. They're just a part of, uh, uh, part of our history, and it's the same way with the Jews. They didn't include the events of Hanukkah, though they celebrate it. They don't include it uh, in their Bible. Now, if you look up in, the, in our Old Testament, uh, you won't find that story. Mentions of Jesus celebrating Hanukkah. Uh, but if you do want to read the story of Hanukkah, you'll have to pick up a Catholic Bible. Because the Catholic Bible includes uh, a few more books in between the Old and the New Testament. And specifically, the books of the Maccabees. And first, second book of the Maccabees, you you can find out 
about what happened specifically with that miracle of Hanukkah and how the oil lasted for eight days. We, we Protestants generally use the same Old Testament that, Jew, that the Jews do, so we don't have that extra book. But if you find a Catholic Bible, um, you can look up uh, Maccabees and you can read about uh, what happened at Hanukkah. Uh, it's all a bit confusing. Uh, why uh, there should be uh, Hanukkah in, in some Bibles and not others, but uh, I think uh, we can just uh, take it as it is and instead just remember to spread peace this year. Spread that peace and light of Jesus Christ and uh, also uh, don't forget to enjoy a little chocolate. I, ha- I have to say that um, though th- this this chocolate is more symbolic. Uh, it's not Dove chocolate. It's not Godiva chocolate. Um, this is chocolate made for kids to play with. So uh, enjoy it as you can. And shalom, peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand. Oh, man.